No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and this week on the program is the end of the summer break and a look at what is an existential crisis. Before I dive into that, I just wanted to say thank you to people for not uh, freaking out and overly criticizing a month-long break in what would be, you know, the regular grind of this, and it's been really helpful for me to kind of go back to the drawing board and take a look with fresh eyes at what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, and I'm looking forward to really getting back on the grind of what the podcast had started out as and what I was focusing on and what it was evolving into. These are all things that are in play for me while I figure all of this out. So thank you for the patience and uh, the lack of negative feedback. That was really refreshing. Uh, Before I jump into the joy of examining an existential crisis, I just want to say thank you for listening. And as always, I appreciate it. If you or anyone you know has any questions, comments, concerns, please let me know by sending an email to yourdead2 at gmail.com or by finding me on Twitter or Instagram at yourdead2, Y-O-U-R-E-D-E-A-D-T-O-O. Would love to hear from you. Additionally, this particular podcast will be dealing with some less than fun mental state imagery. So if that is at all of relevant concern to you or your loved ones, please know that uh, there are options available. There are counselors and therapists and all sorts of resources that you can reach out to to make sure that you're doing everything you can to take care of yourself if you are at risk of any kind of self-harming behavior. Also, I personally am not at risk of any self-harm behavior. I'm currently... Uh, adjusting to a new dosage of some medication that I'm on, and I'm talking to a therapist still about everything that I deal with on a regular basis. So please don't be alarmed if this gets weird and heavy and introspective because that's kind of the point of wanting to talk about this in the first place. So that being said, I'm not going to hem and haw any further, and I'm just going to kind of dive right into this. So cue the guitar. Here we go. So, what is an existential crisis? Using basic uh, dictionary terms to help everybody get on the same page, because frankly, just because you're listening to this podcast doesn't mean that you have the same psychological hang-ups that I do. An existential crisis is a moment at which an individual questions if their life has meaning, purpose, or value, and it's commonly, but not necessarily, tied to depression or negative speculation on purpose in life. Um, The issue of meaning and purpose of human existence is really the driving focus of the philosophical tradition of existentialism. And I can sense that I've already lost a lot of people just for like, oh God, philosophy, here we go. No, this this is what I studied in college. This was my jam. Unfortunately, it's not as one-to-one relatable for the workforce. Um, If anything, it was a really discordant uh, mismatch for what I was doing in the world of banking. It was a real value mismatch because I was thinking about all this heavy, weird shit all day, and frankly, it didn't matter when it came to uh, analysis statements or XAA data or looking at... God, I'm so done with it. Um, 
I was getting too navel-gazy. I was worrying too much about what all this stuff means, all the grand questions, when it was just like, yeah, man, eyes down, work on your own paper. You know, just <laughs> as uh, previous guest Austin said, it's above your pay grade. Don't worry about it. But this issue for me has been present, I think, in most of my life. As far back as I can recall, I have been finding in talking to my own therapist, I recently asked what my deal was. <laughs> like, basically, if you look at the idea of just step back, what is, I'm not looking for a diagnosis. What, what is the therapist observing for me as like, what's going on here? And the feedback that I got was that I'm um, hyper aware that there is what I've interpreted as a neurosis is more of a just hyper awareness of self and surrounding and context for what I'm doing. And as I'm getting out of the rigid office world, I'm feeling that numb limb come back to life. I'm feeling the pins and needles of this kind of sense of self that I was stifling for a long time very intentionally coming back to life and it's causing some anxiety and change because that's kind of inevitable and natural of what happens when there's kind of a major shift. But not to belabor that point, an existential crisis. Back to it. What are we? Um, an existential crisis can be misdiagnosed if you're looking for a diagnosis, but it's often um, combined with or kind of lumped together with or seen as adjacent to um, depressive orders, depersonalization, um, incidents of borderline personality, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, interesting looking here at some symptoms and related factors. Psychedelic drug trip, that's definitely kind of the stereotypical um, pop culture joke that you'll see that somebody takes a hallucinogen and freaks out and loses all sense of self. And like that's, I mean, yeah, that can happen but that's not necessarily the most common way to experience this. There's also just dissatisfaction with one's life or the sense of being alone and isolated in the world, um, uncertainty about old age or the afterlife, uh, fear of death or its inevitability, um, searching for the meaning of life, or really realizing that the universe is a more complex, mysterious, uh, strange place that just the scale of it doesn't work for humanity, you know, that we are... We are mold in a much larger world. So why am I talking about this? Um, for me, this is something that never goes away. I'm just, I'm always aware of it. And it's not difficult to manage in that it's this gnawing sense of like, oh shit, you've got to just keep the ghosts at bay, keep the demons in check for the evening. It's It's this question that, can't really ever necessarily have an answer or I think if I cling to an answer too easily I feel like it's I don't the the point of it is the question so why am I talking about this I can feel myself clamming up a little bit and I think that that's part of the reason that I want to talk about this <laughs> the the thing that I deal with with an existential crisis is that it's, for me, it's not this isolated panic attack of, oh God, oh God, oh God, what's happening now? It's this longer term look at my life of what is the reason to be? What is the point of this? Why why do anything as opposed to nothing? Why, why should there be 
any of this. And there are some things that I, I don't think that we can comprehend, um, things that we can aspire to and things that we, we can't really ever get around, like the ontological phenomenon of knowing what it is to be a human. Um, smarter minds, more um, <laughs> more detailed and verbose minds than mine could give you a much more accurate examination of philosophical ideas, but really it's, for me, it's understanding that you can look for meaning in your own life. I was raised um, as a Christian in a Lutheran household, which is pretty down the middle, even keel, not uh, heavy-handed Christianity, very love your neighbor, uh, golden rule, treat others as you would want to be treated, and you know, leave the world a better place than you found it kind of a mentality, which, frankly, I don't find incompatible with most of my daily living. Those are simple maxims that I, I would think that I could distill and, you know, impart onto other people. I, why would you not want to be kind? It, it seems that kindness begets more kindness, and I know that I'm kind of building off of my own self-sustaining language here, but that's kind of the the issue of the uh, <laughs> at the center of what all of this means. Um to kind of open that up and share a little more. What I love about philosophy is how difficult and problematic it can be and how semantical it can be. It's, it's tautology. It's just, it's words using words to, uh, to describe other words. You know, that's, it's so <laughs> meta-contextual and that's just so fun for me to kind of like, look at a thing and see how it operates and take a step back and like look at how that operates within that system and then look a step back further and how does it, you know, going macro, just out, 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 how does this work? And then going in as far as you can. I love that kind of to, <laughs> to paint a point of what I'm talking about. I was reading a book this morning that uh, two characters were having a conversation about things and stuff that they own and redoing their condo and... Uh, they were talking about the inevitability of if you have a place to put things, you will find things to put in that place. And I love the idea of they were on one hand just talking about having a junk drawer, which, yeah, I grew up with them and I have them now. And it's, it's kind of a very much I understood a junk drawer to just have stuff kind of land there. But then one of the characters was saying, Right, but you only have that stuff because you have the junk drawer. The it, It's only existing there because you're choosing to have that there as a vessel for it. And so that idea of the characters were having the surface-level conversation. The author was, I believe, trying to impart something deeper about what that says about how we afford humanity in our existence because the characters were talking about having a child and how that was relating to the necessary existence that they were living. It, so it just the idea of, you know, metaphor, <laughs> allegory, symbolism, how that manifests itself. I just find this stuff endlessly fascinating. I have to really watch myself while recording this episode today because while it's supposed to just be kind of a, a not casual, but just less formal analysis of what an existential crisis is, I can just talk about the stuff until the cows come home. It really is just 
so enticing for me. So like I was saying, with an existential crisis, it's for me something that is not this panic attack isolated white hot moment necessarily. I've certainly felt those, the kick of the chair going out beneath you, to use a language from the movie Inception, um, where you just have that moment of, oh my god, this is finite. And what what does that mean? Um, I've felt that, you know, I've, I've had those moments of kind of eternity yawning beneath you and you feel like there's something that you have to grasp about this. But there's the way to deal with that, though. Everybody's got their different ways of coping with that. I've seen other people stumble through those moments. I remember having a conversation with a roommate of mine in college where he just kind of stumbled into the moment and really it was like he was getting hit in the back of the head. He was dead sober too, just uh, eyes going wide, just, I don't think I'm afraid of it anymore. Like it was just a real dawning moment of insight that I got to really witness. It was really cool. But uh, as far as how people deal with these questions other than myself, you know, I know how I deal with all of this stuff, but other people can deal with these these existential ideas or you know what it means to be why be versus not be at all what why are we here there are some basic broad stroke coping mechanisms of anchoring isolation distraction sublimation frankly if i'm being honest i i find that i'm a real sublimator and that i am somebody who wants to keep things as peaceful and calm and happy as possible and seek that i you know i really don't cotton to that as a uh <laughs> i don't see that as something that everybody should necessarily grasp onto but how do you find place in the world how do you find meaning in all of this knowing how grand the universe is there's a there's a term for when you look out onto a cityscape and you see every individual light out there in the distance of every window every car light every everything that you see out there and realizing that everybody has their own personal story with a deep history and rich tapestry of characters it's overwhelming you know we can really our brains are only wired to handle like 150 people roughly as a community like that's kind of physiologically how we evolved to have a small tribe of people that's kind of about the limit that we've demonstrated people can handle not only in their daily life but in their online life as well like you can have a thousand friends on facebook but you're really going to interact with or have you know, uh, temporal mental space allocated for about 150 of them. Um, I could go down the rabbit hole of the internet trying to find facts and sources for all this stuff, but I'm really just going to be speaking from the cuff and self-aggrandizing here. So if you want to correct me, please just send a note or send an email or whatever and just let me know, John, you're wrong, here's why. But what I can tell you is from... An evolutionary standpoint, I think we're at just this wonderful, weird little part of the process where we're just smart enough to realize we're standing on the shore of something large. I was always fascinated by what is it like for a bat to be a bat. You know, some of the classes that I took um, in college that look at the the phenomenon of what it is to be a certain thing. Like, is my Johnness different than? Uh, my cat at the time, her experience of being alive. Um, and there are various <laughs> iterations of arguments for what that would be like. Um, 
and certainly the easiest way to cut through some of the noise was the fact that it was a Catholic university and the, the real broad stroke answer was, well, animals don't have souls, ergo, they don't have a similar, like, well, okay, so that's that's one way of looking at it. And there are other people who look at the notion of philosophical debate and really get bothered by the semantical notion of, well, at one point, why do we even talk about anything? What what meaning can you have when you say, well, what is it for this table to be a table? And how do I know that the same? Like, no, that's just, it's very um, knee-jerk reactionary kind of uh, pop culture philosophical ideal of what what it means to have a philosophical debate where I, I, I just kind of like the milieu of it. I like being in the aquarium of this is where all these weird ideas come from and it's not just our ability as people, but almost an obligation of if we can think all of these weird thoughts and if we can look at these perspectives, why not just open it up? Why not turn these rocks over and see what's under every single one of them? Because frankly, that's, you can, why would you not find that fascinating? But again, this speaks to my own bias about all of this. I don't think there's something inherently beneficial about having an existential crisis. If anything, I think experiencing them is overall detrimental to health or well-being in that I think it can form scar tissue mentally um, but it can it can lead to profound self-examination you know it can really help people understand what it is that they're dealing with and how they're seeing the world but it's so crazy for me to talk with people about these ideas of what is my purpose? What do I do? How do I find meaning in life? And then to to kind of get to that point of a conversation with people and kind of brush up against the idea and say, does this, is that anything that ever really, uh, does that ever strike you or does that give you pause at all? And to find people that just say, no, no, never really bothers me. Like that that confidence of self is so strangely alluring to me that it's – I am so self-questioning that I don't know what that would be like to have that amount of – not self-confidence but surety of self or place in the world. Um, I have talked to guests on this podcast who have very deep-rooted uh, – beliefs that really ground them and help give them a sense of oh this is this is how I see the world and this is my place in it and this is my role within it and I don't look down on that if anything I'm envious of that because it offers such a concrete foundation for how to see the world but I suppose the trade-off then is that you risk having that foundation shattered but I suppose if you don't want to ever risk anything that's not really much of a life worth leading right that a life unexamined is one that is not worth living. I, I really, I believe, I believe in in the value of that statement. When, when I look at these issues, when I look at these things, you know, existentialism, the dark night of the soul, kind of, not nihilism. I just, I think that there's so much that can be. There's so much that can be dug into. That you, man, I'm losing the narrative on this. This is the trouble when I don't have somebody to bounce the ideas off of. 
when it comes down to self-determination and finding value in things, I personally find that that if there's a potential for meaning that's in a way just as good as having an actual meaning, like the fact that you can, the fact, the notion that one could dig into this at all to find some kind of deeper examination, that for me is enough to warrant digging further. Like, let me put it this way. I think, I truly believe that variety is the spice of life. That you hear people talk about an afterlife, for example, and they want it to be this positive, pleasant thing for eternity, and for me that sounds like it would quickly become boring. I think novelty is a key component in development of humanity, and, you know, on the personal and uh, cultural scale, that I don't think monotony breeds... Well, I suppose you can dig into that. See, here's the problem with the philosophy is that anytime I make what I think is a concrete statement, I instantly start self-doubting myself. But um, novelty of experience. You want to find something that you just... Something that sparks a joy, not to use that uh, <laughs> the phrase from Marie Kendo. Something that gives you an impetus to get up in the morning. Something that wants to, you know push you to do more, to bring you into the world. I, I was always amazed to find that animals actually do commit suicide, that self-preservation instinct is not a permanent thing in non-human uh, animals. So the it's, sometimes it's, it's as simple as just having a good meal to look forward to. Um, other people need a longer scale thing, a purpose, a, a reason, a raison d'etre to to get up and do things, and it just, I don't claim to have any answers. I don't know that there are answers to be had. That's not how I think this necessarily works. I don't think that there's something that I could just put into a slot and say, that's it, there's my answer, and I will go on and never have to question that again. It's just something that I will always grapple with. So why am I talking about this on a podcast about death? Because I think consciousness is a magic trick. I mean, not in a literal sense, but there's something strange and ephemeral going on here. And brighter minds than mine have tried to figure out exactly what it is. I am intrigued by science trying to say it's this neuron turning on at this time, and this, you know, this part of the hippocampus houses the blah, 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 blah. Like, that's, that's, um, certainly admirable in its aim to do so you know it's it's a lofty goal but it's not necessarily going to capture the one-to-one -one ratio of what it is for humanness you know that's but this is this is my jam this is the stuff that i'm curious about that i just it's it's like being at a party in a very peculiar club and nobody's talking about the weirdness of the club like you're all in the same room just kind of having a cocktail party and you look around and say, is nobody going to talk about the weird decorations on the walls here or the fact that we're all in a weird building? Like, some people just function better with the the blinders on, you know? And I can I can certainly identify with that. I mean, that's 
for me, what medication is, is basically putting calipers on an emotional spectrum of like, look, don't freak out too much either direction. Just try to stay right in the middle and function. But as I get comfortable with that, I can look at this same issue then with different perspective. So I guess I don't really know what I wanted to share about existential crises when talking about this, except I've dealt with them like forever. It just, it's, it's, it never goes away. And most days it's okay. And some days it's not, but you find purpose wherever you can and however you can, whatever your truth is, so long as it's valid to you, I guess. I don't know. It's the ability to have drive and purpose is what gives me purpose. You know, it's it's like a, not I think therefore I am, but I, I don't, something about nihilism and, you know, Sartre and Kierkegaard and uh, it just doesn't, an absolute lack of purpose doesn't strike me as a very fulfilling existence, but fulfilling may not be the point when dealing with philosophical ideas and people want to really establish absolute veracity of truth of this statement begets this statement because that's not really... Maybe it is. I don't know. This is This is the joys of philosophical debate with no participating audience. But... Maybe that's what makes it worthwhile is the fact that I'm willing to just say, I don't know. Tell me more. I want to learn. Brotherhood, humanity, I don't know. It's, we're all going to die at some point. How do you find this meaning in life? Me personally, I try to anchor myself in the moment. I try to figure out what is real around me. What can I know? Like, if I don't have these big grand answers, I at least know that I'm sitting in a comfortable chair and I have a cup of coffee and I have people that love me. I know that much. I can anchor around that. It can become a fixation point of safety. But I need to be mindful that I don't put undue pressure on other elements in my life to be these bedrocks. Like if I can't have the fortitude to hold all of this, wow, I don't know. I'm dancing around some real weird shit here. So maybe in the interest of not contaminating other people with my own uh, hyper-awareness of multi-textual context of self and sense, how about I just put a pin in this and say, this is why I'm talking to people about this. It's okay to freak out about this stuff sometimes. Probably not all the time. If that's the case, you might need to talk to somebody too. But you are not alone in freaking out about our existence. There are ways to get through it. We are not the first people to do it, but we're all looking for meaning somehow, whether or not we're acknowledging it. So I'll put a pin in that for now. <laughs> Thank you for your patience and indulging me, and I'll see you again next week with our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks. Thanks.